The official podcast of United League Baseball, official purveyors. No, that's not it, is it? Do you are off to a flying star? Purveyors of fine fake baseball since 2003. Joining us today, we have our two World Series general managers today, Peter Bays of the LA Outlaws. Hello, Peter. Hey, good night. And Glenn Reed, GM of the runner-up St. Louis Maroons. Hello, Glenn. Yo, yo, yo. So our main topic this evening is, of course, the 1986 uh, rookie class. Um, as Glenn pointed out, it's kind of an extraordinary class, so we, it kind of merits its own episode. Um, but before we dive into a discussion of the rookie class, we thought we'd do a kind of a real quick kind of review of the 85 season since we have the two World Series GMs with us. Um, and while we're here, congrats, Peter, on your second UL title. Thanks. This is this was not one I thought I was going to win. None of them are one you expect to win, right, Mister Mister Pessimist? I, I thought I had a better chance the last couple of years than going into tell me, this tell series. Me got that on, tell me you got that on tape. Did you Did you hear the fiasco where the phone falls down? No, no. I did not. <laughs> oh, okay. You want to drop it again? From a higher height, <laughs> you say congratulations, and Pete's like, ah, I didn't expect to win. At that exact moment, I dropped my phone and it clattered all over the ground. Nice. So, so maybe that's another so sign. You, you're still having a PTSD from Game Seven. <laughs> Clearly, I mean, yeah. dude. Yeah, sorry. So my bad. Are you saying you had better teams the couple years prior, or? Well, the teams I mean, there, around you there, got better in, in this, this yeah, season? That was, that was one thing. During This was one of the few trade deadlines. I made no moves. I just I didn't have the salary uh, cap room or the, the pieces to trade away. So all the teams around me got better. Seattle going down the, the last month of the season. Glenn picked up guys. Everyone seemed to have made a move. Washington. And then... Um, in the Washington series, my center fielder went down. My backup center fielder had already gone down at the end of the season. So I ended up playing Otto Velez, who's rated a one in center field, as the only center fielder on my entire roster, you know, starting all seven games. So that, that was one of the big reasons I didn't think I had much of a chance is basically, you know, the guy just standing in center field hoping the ball falls into his mitt. <laughs> and, he can't, and he doesn't hit anymore either. So it wasn't like, you know, he was bumping up the lineup and bringing something to the table. I think he ended up hitting about 120 for the series, and who knows if he even made a catch the entire series. So that, that was that was the big reason. Just everyone got better, and I had a huge hole in the outfield. Glenn was probably nice and didn't hit any of the center field. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. We tried to like hit him all the windfield and left, bro. Um, well, I mean, what's to say? I mean, 
Pete's team as Pete, you know, he has the highest rated team. He's had the highest rated team for several years. He should win the world series in my estimation. For me, it was like I had been swept and won one game the two prior years. So making it to the world series to me was a huge achievement, but then having got there and being three, one up like that. I mean, that is the part that hurts, you know, it's like, I mean, I felt I was so close, right. I had the ring in my hand, you know? So, but again, I, I feel yeah, like that I mean, was the best team. You were close in the series and then you were close in game seven, right? You were ahead in the, was it the eighth inning? Um, oh yeah. It, that, that's the yeah, hardest part. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's for hard. me, that's the hardest part to take. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I always, always, well, not always, but, no, I think that's actually true. Going back to micro league days, I basically have always strived to have just a, I think an awesome bullpen is, is so powerful because it shortens the game for the other team. So if I get, you know, 27 outs, but I can make it so you only get, you know, six or even nine less, then I feel that's just a massive advantage. But kind of like Pete, like every year, my team gets a little bit worse. Um you know, pitchers roll off or injuries. And so in prior seasons, I had Schmidt was my setup guy. So he would come in in the seventh inning and and, and now Icorn's in that role, but Icorn's not as good as Schmidt, right? I had to move Schmidt to the rotation and, and now my bullpen just isn't as good. And the, to be ahead essentially, or, or at worst tied, right? I think I was ahead in all three games in the seventh inning and I lost all three games, you know, all three elimination games. So so, so, that's, that's a, so that's the question I had. So um, so this, this is the one question I have for you is that's because you've been talking about how you have no bullpen, have no bullpen, have no bullpen. Going back to 84, right? It's been a couple yep. of years since, you, since you've kind of had a weak bullpen. And yep. I'm surprised. Why didn't you make some moves like before the trade deadline, you know, trade a bat for a couple of relievers or something like that. Why didn't you make a move? To, obviously you are now, right? You're, you're, you're pretty active in like addressing, you're already addressing that, but why, why not, um, why not in 85 when you knew that that was the one weakness or did you try it and just, you couldn't, you couldn't swing a deal? Well, on the contrary, I would say that I did every year I've traded for relief. So I traded for Guy Hoffman two years ago. He was supposed to be my lefty, kind of set up swing starter guy. Um, I used him in the bull, or I used him in the rotation most of the year. I moved him to the bullpen for this series because I didn't think he would fare very well against LA's lineup. And guess what? I think he lost two of the three games. So, um, so, so yes. So I did trade for Hoffman as a pen addition. And then I also traded for Bob James um, who was a much. So, so in the last two years I've added a reliever. But or, or each of the last two years I've added a reliever. But the problem is the guys I'm adding are rated 19 or 20 or 21, whereas the guys that LA runs out are rated 22, 23. And so, so I'm just at a disadvantage there. And so, and again, I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, on, maybe Icorn doesn't blow like three saves in a series or whatever. Well, that's the thing. Right? To, to be fair, I'm looking at Icorn. He's a six nine seven. He's, he's, he should be. He should be awesome. And you know, I, I agree. I have. Not, I agree. I, I've. I've really only seen him like in action on the field. I haven't really yeah. taken the time to look at his look at yes. his uh, ratings. And it's like, okay, yeah. So he's just clearly like um, underperforming. Even last year, yes. he's two. 2.57 he should have yep. done and this year 3.6 i don't know how many yep. saves but he was especially bad in that you yep. know 4 4.5 in the 
in the World Series, and I know he struggled in the in the earlier rounds as well. So, yep. Yeah. Yeah, right, yeah. Yeah. So okay. So fair enough. So you you've tried. So I guess the answer is yeah. you've tried. You haven't. You've tried to address the bullpen, and the guys yeah. are just like they're just not performing up to their ratings. Yeah, I would say that. Yeah. So now I signed Farmer. So I signed Farmer in free agency away from LA. He's like twenty three rated guy. So, but of course the problem is he's like thirty five. So I mean. You know, Vay's got all of his best years, right? So I'm going to get like the twilight. Maybe he stays 23 rated or maybe he, he craters, you know, so we'll see. But yeah, so I did try. So I tried to address it again. So every year I'm adding a reliever, but every year I lose a starter. So that's where, you know, eventually the math doesn't really work out. So so we'll see. But I mean, yeah, I, I did try or I have tried. So uh, next topic, Peter, tell us about the Winfield trade. What was the uh, what was the impetus behind that? So, so there was really two. I mean, the World Series win let me do it. If I don't win the World Series, I've got to make another run before uh, Durker and Russell retire. So that kind of gave me flexibility. Like, all right, like I got two, two rings with this team. I can start trying to build for the future a little bit more. Uh, the other one was um, Durker next year has a $10 million team option. And when I signed him long-term, I thought he'd be done by now, but at 39, he wins the Cy Young. You know, he doesn't seem to be slowing down that badly. So I think next year he's still going to be a top 10, top 15 pitcher. And I, he has to retire an outlaw. So I've got to sign him and I never have 5 million in cap space. Typically I'm at about hundred K. So it was either let Durker walk next year or find some space in the, in the, uh, the salary cap. So I was like, you know, so I looked around and Winfield is, he's going to be amazing in Manhattan. Like, I don't have any, you know, dreams that the guys I got are going to out hit him in any way or even make up for him. But the guys I picked up, you know, one guy is 26, durable, rated, eight contact, I think seven power or seven eye, um, you know, and then Prince that, Fielder, that, not that Prince Phil, Fielder, Cesar Fielder. Phil, no, Fielder is the other one. Phil, Brad, Phil Bradley is the guy yeah Phil Bradley yeah. yep Phil Bradley's got eight contact you know Winfield is nine contact Winfield's got better power Bradley has better speed better eye um, you know and seven years younger is durable Winfield is whatever is below normal he's not wrecked but he's the the next worst one so fragile yeah. I just yeah fragile so I just couldn't I I couldn't afford to keep him and Durker so Bradley seems pretty good. And then Fielder. So, hey, Fielder seems like he's going to be solid. So I was like, this is the best option I've got to keep Durker and not, you know, just tear down the team. So Durker, he's, he gets 5.5 million in 86. And you're saying he gets 10 million in 87? Yeah, 10.5 and 87. It was a team option. So I signed him thinking at 40, yeah. he'll retire. And then that's it. I'll never execute that team option because he'll be rated crappy and I won't feel bad about it. He's still 699. So like even if this year he takes a two rating down, you know, maybe he goes to 588 or something. I would be mm -hmm. three down. At 588, I can yeah. still pitch the guy. Right. right. And I feel bad like letting him walk and then some team picks him up and he doesn't retire yeah. an outlaw. So I sort of have to pay him. Yeah, that makes sense. Winfield is my hot tip for MVP. The guy produced eight or nine more or seven or eight war, like whatever. 
three of the last five seasons in pitchers Park. playing in, playing in LA in LA yeah. which is like I think it's 95 I think it's 95 percent average 92 percent home runs for right-handers and now he's going to Manhattan where you know Eric has built his entire park around right-handed power so he's gonna yeah. wreck it no, yeah he's yeah wreck the league yeah and he's yeah. always better in even years by the way so last year was his <laughs> off year so so you traded him down. It was down value, bro. Oh yeah, he got more value. Yeah. Oh, he's oh, he's wow. gonna. I mean, he's gonna completely wreck the league, right? My plan is hopefully sneak by Seattle and then in the playoffs try to win it with pitching again. Yeah, and yeah, that's it. Sure. And then get the most value I can for Winfield at the moment. That's it. I, I know he's gonna wreck the league. I was gonna say only Peter in LA would would say like trading away Winfield and keeping twenty four out of twenty five players intact. You, that's a rebuilding year for you. <laughs> right. You said you're going to start over. You got to start over now. And like, and, you know, Winfield's gone. So still have all well, those guys. I was telling Glenn the other day, like for the first time in a long time, all my hitters are under 30 years old. Like I actually have a team I can run out there. That's not in wheelchairs. The pitching still is, but I'll rebuild that soon enough. All right. So uh, lots of great fun in 85. It was a good season, I thought. Uh, the wild card, the, the playoffs were uh, were pretty exciting. It was nice to have a game seven. Uh, you know, it's always a heartbreaker for for one team. But, uh, you know, it's nice to have some, you know, some exciting finishes. And uh, I, I feel like every, every team that made the playoffs is going to return strong next year. I mean, we'll, you know, still early days, right, with free agency and the draft and everything. But um, I think all six of those teams are strong. And then Seattle that just missed the playoffs is, is going to probably be stronger next year. So I feel like the playoffs are, it's going to get harder and harder to make the playoffs. Um, yeah, I think it's setting up to be uh, another exciting season in 86. Speaking of which, let's transition now to talk about the rookie class. So a couple of notes here before we start. Number one, just the raw size of the class that's 104 103 or 104 players uh one of the larger classes we've had and that's partly because the threshold has been lowered a little bit um that's intentionally to bring more players into the league mainly so we can further stock the at, at the double a level so glenn why don't you get us started on your overall comments on the 86 draft pool to me it's it's indisputable this is the best best draft class we've ever had it's the best by top end talent it's the best by depth of talent so just just let me lay this on you so if you look at guys in the league right now like current ul players with current ratings higher than 20 so i always think of 20 as my benchmark for a good player right so if you're above 20 i think you're a really good player so there are 11 players in the ul with current ratings, position players with current ratings above 20. The position players in this draft with potential greater than 20, there's 10 guys. There's 10 guys in this draft pool that have potential greater than 20. And for SPs, it's the same thing. I count 17, 17 total players, 17 total starters in the league who add to more than 20. There's 10 guys in this draft pool alone that add to more than 20. So starting pitchers. Yes, starting pitchers. I didn't. I didn't look at relief pitchers because there's quite a few of those. Um, actually, I shouldn't say I did. I counted eight. Sorry, in, in this draft pool, I count eight, but um, but there are actually quite a few 
RPs in real life, or at least in the league right now that have that up to more than 20. But the moral of the story is it's almost one-to-one with respect to position players and it's whatever, you know, two thirds, the number. So this is massive, massive talent inflation. So, I mean, there's never been a class like this. And we can talk about it if you want at some point. I looked at historical comparisons. I looked at other drafts. I looked at, you know, other ways to evaluate it. And this one just blows them all away, like by a mile. Yeah, so similar first impression in terms of the talent. But the other thing that was interesting is, you know, if you subtract, let's say, Larkin, there's no up-the-middle talent, though, right? It's not – there's no typical – middle infielder, center fielder. There's a couple catchers that aren't bad, but you know, maybe not top, top, top talent. So it's very first base, left field, maybe third base heavy. It seems like the era of the long ball is starting. It's also extremely power heavy. Like right now in the league, I noticed there's a lot of speed. Yeah, I was starting to look at some of the teams. There are quite a few teams last year that had three to five guys with 40 stolen bases. I mean, my team, which isn't even built around speed, had three guys that stole over 40 bases, which is a lot, in my opinion, anyway. This, this draft is power and it's 1B, 3B left field. Those are the positions you need. You know, easily find a guy. And there's quite a few SPs. So now I think the uh, kind of the interesting question will be, is the formula so far in the league always seem to have been control and movement? Right, just kind of keep the guys off the bases, don't give up the long ball, and you'll kind of grind it out. Um, with all these power hitters coming, I wonder if like power pitching will become more important, will be will become just more important to not even let them touch the ball. Don't you know, don't put it into play. Um, not as much defense in this draft either. So it just seems like the entire draft is now pointed towards long ball versus maybe power pitching. I think there were some comments in the in the chat about, you know, maybe this is a transition to a new era and every every year is going to look like this. But if you look at future years, it's I mean, this year really does stand out. Bonds and Maddox, right, are arguably the best batter and the best pitcher in the last 30 years. Yeah. And maybe maybe yeah. you can make an argument for um maybe Randy Johnson or Pedro Martinez, but um and but you know, looking ahead, like in the draft pool, I've got like if you look at next year, like the top ten career war guys, it's guys like uh, yeah, there's Glavin and David Wells, which are who are good, but um, Ron Gant, Ellis Burks, Lance Johnson, Caminiti, Matt Williams, yeah, these guys are good, but I mean, um, I mean, just look at first base alone this year: McGuire, McGriff, Cruck, Clark, Joiner, and some of these guys got Crucks coming in with amazing stats. Like if you asked me before, I would have had him like fifth on the list. Right. Um, but he's looking like he might be one of the top two or three first basemen drafted. Yeah. And as Glenn said, with, with all these stars coming in, inevitably some of them are going to drop into the second round, right? Like they're just, mm-hmm. there's just not enough picks to, to, to snap these guys up in the first round. Second round. I mean, dude, Again, if you just guys again, just better than 20, better than 20, <laughs> 10 position players, 10 pitchers, eight relievers, that's 28, right? So we're now we're like at the end of the third or at the end of the second round. And you know, some of the other, some of those other guys are going to slot in there, right? So, I mean, it's again, it's incredible, dude. I mean, I don't know how you want to talk about it. like the, the last draft that was like this one was 77. 77 was totally transformative. It was a year where there was major league expansion. 
And so major league expansion means that the guys who are coming into the league have, you know, their careers are, are fueled or backed by being able to pound on crappy pitchers. And that included, you know, Texas was one of the expansion teams. So it's a horrific pitching environment. Right. So, so you get to come in, these guys come in with like totally inflated stats. Mitchell page, I think was, you know, the, the best example. He was the first pick that year, but if you just go back to 77 and look at that draft, Boston's entire so four years and a World Series was based on the 77 draft. Detroit, I think he has four or five guys on his team now, subtracting Mitchell Page, the first pick. If you take away the first pick, Detroit's team foundationally is based on the 77 draft. Arguably, mm-hmm. arguably LA's team because he has Murray. He has Murray and uh, the second baseman, Whitaker Trammell. Yeah, Whitaker. Yeah, yeah, Whitaker. Yeah, Sweet Pea. Both of those guys came from there. So if you if you just go back and look at the '77 draft, like the first like 20 guys, like I don't know, a dozen of them have multiple World Series rings. Like no joke, right? So that's how potent the '77 draft is. Now contrast, go to '76. It's a complete friggin' wasteland. I mean, it's just horrible. So there's just years where you see it coming, you know it's coming, you can see Bonds, you can see Maguire, you can see Maddox and Cone and all these guys, you know, and you just know it's going to be good. And people have been angling for it for two years. And when it arrives, I mean, it's real. It's like, no joke. This is the draft. This is going to be like, you know, 10 years from now, right? Because 77, we're maybe eight or nine years later. You can just see how that draft transformed the league and accounted for all the town ta- or, you know, many of the, uh, I would say, contributed heavily to, to the rings and the outcomes. I think this is going to be the same thing. So guys like Atlanta, who has three picks in the first round or Montreal, he has two picks in every round. I think teams like that are just massively or, or Denver, right? You only have one pick in the first round, but you've got like three or four second round picks, you're going to be choosing guys that are like, you know, 21, 22 rated guys, you know, with pick 25. It's just, to me, it's insane, dude. So, Mm -hmm. so, I mean, I feel like guys who position themselves well are really, really set up for success here. Are you bothered though, that a lot of these guys all play the same position? Like the, the folks with four or five picks, you think they'll be able to maximize them? Like take what a one B and LF from two SPs, I guess, and then you can maximize the picks. You or, can't take three one Bs too much right, with them, right, right? Well, that just argues, right? So that argues for so right. So forget the first base, dude. Take Larkin and a pitcher, right, or whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or take take the best starter you can, and then you're just going to end up all settle for Wally Joiner at pick thirty two. You know what I mean? Like. Who cares? I, yeah, I, I mean, or you, or, you, I mean, or you find guys that can play multiple positions, right? Because there's a few guys like that who are just a little bit lower on the ratings, but they have, you know, they can play first base, third base, left field, or something like that, and that that gives you a little fungibility because you can move guys around. Yeah, I mean, I, I would not be shocked if Larkin went third, second, or third. I mean, I think it's going to be Bonds, Maddox, Larkin, just Larkin because of the position he plays. He's obviously yeah. not the third you know, best player by stats. But, you know, even if you let McGuire or Palmero drop out of your hands, okay, you go get Will Clark, John Crock, Fred McGriff, <laughs> or Wally <laughs> Joyner, or, or Dave Maggotin. Like, yeah. okay, what's the difference? You know, what's the difference? Right, right. You, know, you can grab one of those guys second yeah. round and be just yeah. as happy exactly. where you're not going to get a Larkin. I think after Larkin, it was Jay right. Bell. And then that's right. there's one other guy that, that's startable, but he's not Larkin. Right. You want to talk a little bit about strategy for drafting? 
Yeah, I mean, you've touched on it when, you know, about the middle and lack of middle infielders. Now, there are some there. Yeah, Larkin is the only good defender, I think. But, you know, there's a couple interesting second basemen, you know, Bip Roberts and Robbie Thompson. Dude. Like, yeah, you know, in, in a normal in a normal year, Bip Roberts and Robbie Thompson would be, um, you know, maybe maybe you'd consider them in the first round, but the, you know, maybe yeah, Bip you would take Bip Roberts in the first round in two seconds. Again, yeah. like if you were to go back to like 77 or 79 right. or not 77, 79 or 76, mm-hmm. right. He, he might've been the first player taken in 76, you know? Yeah. But, but here you're like, no, nah. I mean, again, because of positional scarcity, nine contact and he can play second base. I mean, mm-hmm. he might, you know, he, he, could go yeah. much much earlier than you and would otherwise six, think. It's not horrible, but and he can also play third yeah. and left and center. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. so yeah. so that you know, there's an argument for that. So is is he one of the guys? Well, he's in his nine seven two six. I guess that adds up to more than twenty, right? So uh, yeah. Are you, are you are you you do contact power? Oh no, so, so you, no, you, he you, doesn't. You, I, you, no, you I con- didn't contact power. I right. Yeah, so he's yeah. a nine nine two six. So, yeah, that's what I'm so, saying. So he, so he's a 17. So he's not even on your radar. Yeah, that's what right. I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't garbage even count. Town. Right. Yeah. yeah. So he's like fourth or, round. Or or Dave Magadan, right? Here's another guy, yeah. third baseman. He has a nine contact eight eye, adds to 17. I, I haven't done the count in a long time, but I'm pretty sure there's only one guy in the entire league that is 17 OBP. Right. If you add contact and I, that's Wade Boggs. Yeah. yeah. Wade Boggs, yeah, right. the only guy. Yeah. There's 16. I, I have a couple 16 guys. I know 16 is like elite, elite, but there is a 17. Now, here it is in the draft, Dave Magadan, 17. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. I mean, this, again, this draft has everything you could possibly want. Oh, dude, what about this guy? Robo Seitzer, uh, Seitzer. Mm-hmm. third base right i don't know again i don't have the stats in front of me but i have them written down here 16 obp so again that's like god level obp and, mm-hmm. and he's just a random guy in the draft you know what i mean like yeah. this is just a rando dude so the problem with magadan is that uh he's w- way undercooked he's only i have him at so i have my kind of uh proprietary formula it's similar to yours but i give extra, i give more weight to contact for example okay okay than the other three um so there's a little more um math to it but then i so then i just i do that for current and potential and then just divide it to come up with a percentage cooked and magadan is only 47 percent, so he has a long way so yeah his potential contact and i adds up to 17 but yep. then the question is does he ever get there because he's less than 50 percent cooked and he's 22 so you know there's some developmental risk there but then then again even if he falls a little bit short and like oh too bad he's a seven seven or whatever. Right. That's still right, right. Um, yeah. Yeah, but but the uh, top fifteen hitters I have only one of them is over twenty two. So even though I know this draft has a lot of guys that aren't not necessarily ready to play, at least they're not like twenty four, twenty five like we've seen yes. some of the older drafts. Yes. You've got two or three years, so hopefully you don't get like an oral Hershiser type of thing. Yes, like, they just yeah. don't have the time. Yeah, that's exactly right. Like uh, I was just looking at somebody's team the other day. Uh, oh, it was Boston. He has Galarraga. Galarraga is like 24 or 25. Incredible potential, but he's so undercooked. He's just never going to get there, yeah. right? So, but like you said, everybody in this draft is 19, 20, 21. I mean, come yeah. on. With a little patience, you could just crush. 
crush. I mean, I'm telling you, dude, this, this, I've never seen. This is, this is unprecedented. I've never seen anything so, like this. So here's something I just did. I just sorted by that percentage cooked number. And there's yeah, you know, a yeah. couple guys. Dale Swaim, is that how you say that? Yeah, Swain? yeah, yeah, yeah. He's 98% cooked. Um, Russ Mormon, who like he, I don't know, he'll, he'll drop to the fifth round. It won't be drafted at all. But so of the guys that are any good, the ones that are most cooked are um, Mike Aldretti, who's 24. Um, no, he's a 6647 potential, but he's almost there. He's 88% cooked. Pete Incavelia is another interesting guy. One of these left fielders, one of these left fielding mashers. But again, as Pete was saying, there's just so many of these guys. Um, but he's a 6675 potential. Um, yeah. but he's but he's 88% there. He's age 20. And then there's Ruben Sierra. Ruben Sierra is seven 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 four. So you know, the the one knock on him, and also he's not a great defender, but um, but he's already six 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 three. So he's eighty-four percent cooked at age nineteen and a switch hitter. So um you know, guys like Ruben Sierra probably not going to go in the first round. But again, as a you know, consolation prize, guys like one or two of these guys are going to drop, as Glenn was saying, even into the third round, um, where suddenly you have. Even Cavillia is like a, a fifth round pick, dude. I mean, I yeah. got to tell you the truth. Yeah, that's a fifth round pick. You're getting a six, seven, five outfielder, you know, and that's where he should go because. You know, you don't want that guy should not be starting for you, but on a 350K or 500K contract, though, he could totally make your roster. He could totally be a backup corner outfielder, you know. So, so do you think but, this draft does start moving us off of defense? So I know we, we've had entire teams built solely on defense with no problems playing like a Cal Ripken who's automatic yeah. out, but is a 10 defender. If, I, you know, your first base, third base, left fielder, right fielder, or maybe one other guy on your team is going to have seven or eight power. Like, does defense matter anymore or matter nearly as much? I would argue it matters more because it becomes more scarce, right? Yeah. Um, it, it makes um, it makes the – if you can find a mashing right fielder who can field well, uh, makes him more valuable or, you know, a good fielding first baseman or, um, you know, it's going to make the middle infielders – more scarce the good fielding ones but what are you fielding if everything's a home run even if home run rate goes way up way up still is like a small number right yeah so, yeah like from, so i so i from, still from think from three percent home runs to five percent home runs yeah that's still, even if it's that's that still, much yeah that's yeah. still 95 percent that aren't home runs right yeah yeah, so yeah. i guess it's, it's probably it's, it's probably yeah. more the strikeouts that would, yeah. the, the, you know, a, a big increase in the strikeouts would reduce balls in play much more than home runs. Yeah, could be. yeah, I think so. And you could be right because, like you said, there's a lot of guys right that are just now, you know, swing for the fence. But but like I said, I tried it before and it didn't it didn't give me the results I was looking for. Maybe I could be talked into it again though. You know, because I mean, my my strategy for a long time has been keep the ball out of play. There are too many teams that could field. So I either yeah. try to walk or I hit a home run. Yeah, like I, yeah. I haven't had a whole lot of guys with eight, nine, ten contact on my team before. Well, I yeah. Been... I mean, I do the same thing. Yeah, I agree. I do the same thing. So, but now so, it's becoming easier. I mean, out of these top guys, a bunch of them have seven, eight I, and a lot of them have eight, seven, eight power. And then you've yeah. got a couple of elites with nine or ten power or I. But you're getting to where you can easily get 15 just out of power eye 
six contact, seven contact, you know, you've got three or four of those guys in your lineup. I don't know. The fielding doesn't matter as much. So we'll see. Or it makes Larkin even more valuable. I, I'm not sure. Yeah. I mean, if you look ahead a couple of years, though, um, at some of the guys coming. So 88, for example, Mark Grace, Roberto Alomar, Craig Biggio, those are all like high average, low power guys. Yeah. So yeah. Um, you have John Olerud, Omar Vizquel coming in 89, Robin Ventura, he had a little bit of power. So, you know, maybe it's just this year, 86 is just like, um, you know, we got Fred McGriff, who's another guy who probably won't, might not go to the third round, right? Um, yeah, yeah. So um, a lot of it will depend on, you know, what happens in in the f- future, future year drafts. But again, I would argue that the you know the it's the whole scarcity model of value, right? The more scarce something is, the the more valuable it becomes. So I'm, I'm sure that let's put it this way: the, the guys who are always emphasizing defense and the guys who are always ignoring defense, that's not going to change. <laughs> that's true. You know, this I'll one, give you that. one draft class is not going to change that. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, and I'm wondering what happens is couple of pitchers coming in this draft that are real good, but they're fly ball pitchers. And I know most of the GMs I try to trade with, like stay away from fly ball pitchers like yeah, the plague. Yeah. And yeah. I wonder if that those guys get even less valuable or, you know, David Cohn's a great example, right? Like yeah. he's got the stats, but do you draft him if he's a fly ball pitcher and home runs are coming? Or uh, Denver yeah. probably doesn't draft him. I'm, I'm just saying. I'm no, just honestly, saying. yeah, right. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I, I've drafted, I've drafted and traded for flyball pitchers before, but I use it as a currency, right? Because um, I, because I know that not everyone pays as much attention to that, or does you know, it's not as harmful in almost any other, maybe Atlanta, but um, I, I try to avoid the flyball pitchers as much as I can. But again, you know, if, if I get, so I have, I have 18, 20 and 27. If I get to 26 or 27 and David Cohn is still there, you know, am I going to pass up on him just because he's a, you know, half my, I'm only playing half my games in Denver. Right. So, and he's going to, he's an eight, seven, six. I I would find it really hard to kind of pass up on a guy like that. um, Even if I end up just trading him after a year or two. Well, yeah, especially because Cone, uh, Cone has he's a big stuff guy. So if Pete's yep. thesis is, is right that strikeouts are more important than you know, then he has value for that reason. I mean, he's he's J.R. Richards basically. Yeah, there you go. Who turned out to be a pretty good pitcher. Yeah, but he yeah, was in yeah. Seattle. In Seattle, he was in Seattle. Yeah, Dallas. And he was still like a flash, yeah, pretty good. good pitcher, right. star, probably. And then I traded for. He was on like five or six million a year. I traded for him. He immediately snapped his arm, and I paid him. <laughs> for, I think I paid him five million to sit on the on the injured list for one year, and then uh, yeah. and then he was like a fifth starter. Are relief pitchers becoming more valuable? Or do you think we're gonna? Are we also entering the era where the complete game is kind of done? Yeah, I mean, you'll have guys like Gooden throwing complete games, but you're seeing a lot more of these four, five, six stamina starters. So does a guy yeah. like Dwayne Ward become much more important or is it still relief pitchers are, you know, later round kind of pickups? I mean, I don't know. 
I've just had my whole dissertation about how I think bullpen is like supremely important and how not having a dominant one cost me the world series, like hands down. So Dwayne Ward adds to 20 friggin' four. I mean, that is an incredible right. number. I mean, that honestly, that's an incredible number with 10 stuff, 10 stuff. Again, if, if K's are, if K's are super meaningful, then a 24 rated closer who's going to strike out like two out of every three guys is incredibly valuable. Now, I mean, again, you're not taking him ahead of some of the, you know, there's like studs in every position, you know, but, um, but yeah, I, I think, you know, there, there's a lot of value in that for sure. Is, is Ward the best reliever in the class? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, Mike yeah, Jackson Mike. is awesome too. 23. Yeah. Mike Jackson. 23. Yeah. Yeah. And Bill Landry, man, it's a 23 also. They've got two 23s and a 24. And I'm wondering, like, do they go in front of David Cohn? Because I, in the past, I would say, unless you were, that was the last piece of the puzzle. So, like, you've had Detroit draft relievers because he was just stacked everywhere. But if you're not stacked everywhere, like, I would always take a 21 SP over a 23, 24 RP just because of the number of innings they get to throw. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Right, they just are more valuable because you can use them for 200 innings. But now, if you've got a lot more starters like Goose who are throwing 180 innings, and more relievers like Lee Smith throwing 100 innings, I don't know. Like, does this get closer? Right? Like, is Dwayne Ward like worth taking over a David Cohn or a 20-rated starting pitcher? Just because you know he'll he'll get the throw. Yeah, I think it depends on the context of your team. I mean, I will say I love I mean, Mike Jackson to me is amazing. And the thing about him is he's got like five pitches. So with a stamina of two, stamina doesn't change very much. So so you are taking a gamble here. But but sometimes you do get a stamina bump. And all of a sudden, if he goes from two to three, you have like a, an excellent starter. So I would be suckered into probably taking Mike Jackson. Like just, you know, yeah, he's actually sure. He's actually stamina one. And, I, and that's one thing I know is there's more of these because we are getting more into the specialized closer era. And I think I, I don't have the exact numbers on this, but there seem to be more one stamina guys in this draft than. In, in is that true? Maybe I'm not. Maybe yeah. I didn't look at the right version of the file. I wrote it down yeah. as a two or you no, said Dwayne, Dwayne, two. Ward is, Dwayne Ward is a two. But I see. I think I see. Mike Jack had two pitches, though. Yeah. Yeah. Jackson. I think Mike Jackson changed because when I downloaded the file, he was a one, uh, two also. So really? my file, he's a two. That's yeah. Weird. So he must have taken a bump in the last. Uh, yeah. Well, so there you yeah. go. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you need him to get one more stamina bump, dude. Can you catch lightning in a bottle twice? That's the question. Yeah. So yeah. He's Holy crap! Probably... I'm I'm looking at Jackson right now. So yeah, you're right. He was imported. So January twentieth is he was imported as a four five five, and we're up to February. It's, so it's a month later. February. He's he's now a six six five. So he yeah. got a two bump in stuff, a one one plus one in movement in one yeah. month. So yeah, that's, that's and, and I will say, I mean, you want to catch the rising trend, right? So that's in, in any yeah, yeah. market, in any market, that's the chart you want. So yeah, I like him quite a lot. I mean, honestly, I think that guy could be amazing. With the picks I don't have, I would target Mike Jackson. <laughs> yeah, the, the other thing that surprised me is the uh, the velocity on the guys is not getting any better. I thought yeah. like the 80s, 90s, we started seeing a bunch of guys that could 
reach the high 90s and then you yeah. know, today everybody can reach 100. And I'm still like not seeing any guys with real velocity. I think Ward's the only one with like elite velocity, which I, I mean, I like out of pitchers, especially their stuff isn't that good. Because they have like five rated stuff, but crazy velocity. I, in my broken mind, I think the stuff will eventually go up. And yeah. I don't know, sometimes I'm right, sometimes it doesn't make a difference. But yeah, I, think I was like, still surprised none of that was around. Yeah, like Mitch Williams didn't, Mitch Williams was famous for like major yeah, velocity he, he, and, and no control. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. And he's, uh, like, he's 30, he's 93, 95. So yeah. he's kind of that second tier. Yeah, you're right. Ward is 95, 97. And then Eric Plunk is the only other guy who's at 95. Um, and he kind of looks like a, he's an 862 right now. So he throws 96 miles an hour and has no idea where the strike zone is. <laughs> yeah, that, that was a little bit surprising. Even Cone, I think, wasn't elite. Yeah, well, yeah. 91, 93, which is like, yeah. okay, it's it's pretty good, but it's it's nothing to defend his eight stuff. So like, I'm wondering if that eight stuff is real or his velocity is going to go up or maybe his stuff is breaking balls and, and that, you know, just stuff that doesn't need velocity. But Plunk, so I'm a little bit surprised. Yeah. Plunk has one thing going for him. His personality, it says he arrives early and helps set up the equipment. <laughs> so that yeah. might save you, save you some money on the, on the, on the. Put him on your list. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But Plunk was good. He's on my list. I put him on my list because he was another guy that had like a ton of good pitches and two stamina. So with a stamina bump, all of a sudden I got a starter for nothing, you know. And that guy, you can take him like in the fourth round, probably, right? So I yeah, to make it. Likely. There you go. There's your there's your flyer guy. What did you guys think of Cal Daniels? I know his name kind of surprised. Someone wrote about him. It's like I I do remember him in the majors. I didn't realize he was supposed to be good, but he's pretty amazing and almost so up. yeah so so cal daniels so full disclosure 86 is 86 stats is the, the first year of micro this is before glenn was in micro leave but because our we started in 89 which would have been 1988 stats but cal Daniels stats yeah. yeah so cal daniels like if you look at his early career he was um he was a monster 320 334 uh, and then 291. And then I think as Eric pointed out, like the AstroTurf kind of ruined him. So like at the beginning of his career, he was, I mean, 398 on base as a rookie in 74 games. Um, and then 429 the year after that in 108 games. So he was, you know, I think that's why he imported with such great current stats is because it's, um, you know, his early career stats are, are really good. I have him projected as a first rounder. I mean, it'd be hard to pass up on seven, seven, six, six, ready to go. You know, especially if a team that's a contender and they and they need well, to slide. again, dude. Which file I got him? He was eight, eight, seven on my list. Yeah, that's yeah, his that's his potential. He's, but, yeah, but, well, yeah. Well, I'm just saying, eight, eight, X. That's John Shelby, the current reigning MVP, is eight, eight, four, right? So here's a guy that you're going to get, like, you're going to pick, like, around pick 10. And he has stats comparable to the reigning MVP. I mean, come on. This shit's ridiculous. You know? But does he drop to 10? That's all I'm asking. <laughs> I don't know. I was just making that up. <laughs> I mean, come on. Like, I mean, is, is he hurt by name recognition, right? Because, like, okay, Bonds, Maddox, let's say Lark can go ahead of him. And yep. then if you need a first baseman, McGuire and Palmero, maybe. 
But yep, then Paul Cal Mills. Daniels is the next Pretty highest amazing. rated guy. Yep, yep. Right? And Cal Daniels doesn't have as much to cook. So you've got the development risk is way low. He's got nine nine speed, nine stealing abilities. So he's not yeah. just, he does everything. Yep. So yeah, yep. I mean, he is Shelby right now. Yeah. So like, does he go number four or five? Like, I, I don't know. Or does he just drop because nobody wants Cal Daniels? You want one of the... No, I mean, again, yeah, to your thing. Yeah, I mean, to your thing. He should be just because 887. I mean, 887-23 is like there's maybe five guys in the league that add to that, right? So, and here this guy is. Yeah, so he's, he should go higher. But but again, Palmero adds to 24 potential, right? McGuire adds to 25. I mean, come on. Again, there's, there's never been a draft like this. So so it's like it's impossible to handle. Yeah. You just can't handle this is This is utterly insane. Yeah. And again, we didn't really talk about, or maybe I think off thing, we talked about Vimp Roberts or Magadan or Jay Bell. Jay Bell, we were like, oh, he sucks. 766. Guess what? Robin Yount is 766, right? Now, I mean, J Bell is not defensively Robin Yount, so you're not going to rate him as high. But again, there's like two shortstops in the league that are as good offensively as J Bell. I mean, this is just this is insane, dude. Utterly insane. And yeah, the difference so, between Palmero, I'm sorry, Dan, Cal Daniels versus McGuire and Palmero, Cal Daniels is 80% cooked. And those other two guys are about 55% cooked. So there's much less development risk on, yeah, on yeah, Daniels. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Daniels, you could play now. He's seven, yeah. So six, he's your pick right, four. Exactly. Yeah, nine yeah, speed. Yeah. yeah, right? yeah. Like you can just, th- he's better than Brunanski, who I'm playing. Yeah. Yep. 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 If you sort by current ratings, it's Barry Bonds and Cal Daniels. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I bet you this guy drops just because he's Cal Daniels. Well, well, after not, this not, analysis, not anymore. Yeah, yeah. yeah, after this analysis. But what? How do you figure Mike Stanley? Can you look at your thing? I have Mike Stanley as a twenty-two rated catcher. There's a twenty-two rated catcher in the draft. There's only one. You know, there's the only twenty-two rated catcher in the entire league. Uh, <laughs> it's Daryl Porter. Porter. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. There's Mike freaking Stanley. I don't even know who that is. You know, there's Red that's Sox. ridiculous. He was uh, oh, Yankees, was it? Oh yeah, he was Red Sox, and then he went to the Yankees. And he was, nah. I don't remember him being this good on the offensive side. He was a good yeah. catcher, though. I don't know. What about Ron Karkovice? How about seven power and nine defense? Yeah, that's pretty nice. Yeah. And you got Terry Steinbach in there, too. Yeah, yeah. I remember being disappointed with Steinbach. He was the rookie of the year when he came out, but these I mean, stats didn't Seven look like contacts, that. seven power, and eight defense. So that, you know, that puts him in. Very elite, right? Who's that? Who's that? Terry Steinbach. Park- Steinbach. Oh, Steinbach. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, seven contact, seven power, and eight defense. Yeah, that's so, yeah, exactly. there might only be, but again, he's he's pretty undercooked. But that would put yeah. him probably what? Oh yeah, top, top three or four catchers. In the yeah, league. yeah. I think Gedman. Gedman is seven, seven, and like three, but then he has like ten defense. So Stein, he's like a poor man's Gedman. Let's talk about first base for a minute. So you got we've talked about McGuire. Are are we? Unanimous, McGuire is the first first baseman to go. Is there anything? no, no? Who do you think goes Could ahead? Be Palmero. Of him? Yeah, I, I don't know. Could be Palmero. Like I, I, you know, my pick when when I have my pick, neither of these guys will be there. But I like McGuire because I like power eye better. But the mm-hmm. folks that like contact, which I know there's a bunch of teams built on contact slash whatever. 
Palmeiro's got better contact, so he might be a better fit for, for those teams. Yeah, so he's 8-9 versus a 7-10 for contact, contact <laughs> and power. All right, maybe Maguire. Yeah. All right. And Maguire's yeah. got an 8-I yeah. also. Maguire's got an 8-I. Yeah. So his, his contact and I add to 15. Yeah. On base is going to be 400. Yeah. And then, yeah. The 10, and then the 10 power. They're both about 55% cooked um 20 21 years old it, it's it's a close call i i have mcguire ahead of palmero but i you know i have a couple other guys ahead of palmero too so palmero is like fourth on my list a first baseman yeah oh so you have crack you must have yeah, crack yeah got crack and clark and clark yeah crack and clark um because clark's like almost fully cooked yeah clark is presumably um, yeah he's 77% cooked he's already 7754 He's going to be an eight seven seven seven, um, so I figure you know Palmer has a long way to go, and Palmer reminds me too much of like Tartable and like you know I, I've drafted a lot of these kind of like undercooked guys and they just don't go anywhere. They sometimes I they see. do, sometimes they don't. Um, but then and then yeah, and then Cruck, he's he's already a seven seven i seven contact, so he can start right now. And he plays today, yeah, yeah, um, and but he's a nine. His potential is nine six six seven, so. He can play today, but he's also, you know, he could end up being like a batting champion, like in a like two, in two years. Yeah. So yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, there, there's an argument there for like don't take a first baseman until the third round because you'll get Palmero or you know Wally Joyner is going to be in the third round, right? So yeah, yeah. Well, that is the one argument I could make for Palmero is that he has the positional flexibility; he could play left or right, right? So, so the one thing about Palmero is like if you could take Palmero. Then you could take Wally Joyner later, and you could take you know whoever Ruben Sierra. You know what I mean? Like in the fourth round, you take Ruben Sierra, yeah. and now you've got you've got a first base, a left yeah. field, and a right field that are as good as any in the league currently. You know, so so there that is the one advantage for Palmero. But yeah, I guess you're right. I didn't really look at this too. I mean, McGuire with ten power. There's I don't. There's very few. I don't know if there's any ten power guys in the league to be honest. So. Uh... Horner used to be. I think he might be nine now. Yeah, he's gone down. Yeah, Grieve is nine, or at least it came down from nine. Was uh, C-Rub, the Phelps guy? Was C Rob ever a ten power? I don't yeah, think so. I think was, he was ten uh, contact. I think he was ten power versus righties. Of oh, course, yeah. one side he was a lot higher than the other. Side. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. You're right. Of course, you're right. Yeah. The, yeah. the other interesting thing about the draft is, is Atlanta, Montreal, and I think Brooklyn have a ton of picks. Yeah, and all three teams are like pretty close to competing now. Yes, it's like are they forced to take some of these guys that are more cooked by have lower upside than you know like a McGuire, who by the time he's ready, is their current roster of stars going to start aging out? Right, like do they have time for four or five years for McGuire and another guy to come along, or do they need to take? Or did we just say it was almost cooked? Uh, not Palmero. Um, Cal Daniels, right? Crook. Or, or yeah, Cal Daniels. Or, or yeah, Crook. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, do those guys become more valuable to those three teams? Because, you know, Boston obviously has time. They've got a lot of their, they've got Conseco, Puckett, I don't know, like four other guys that are ridiculous and are not even in majors yet. Yeah, like yeah. Montreal's yeah, got a pretty good squad now, right? Atlanta's got a good squad now. Brooklyn's got a good squad now. Like, yeah. do they need help right away? So do they kind of jump up to get some of these more cooked guys? Yeah. And then you really get some 
crazy talent dropping. Uh, I think it's going to be an interesting draft. Yeah. I mean, dude, it's going to be an amazing draft. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. Every pick is just going to be like, oh, that guy's amazing. <laughs> oh, that guy's amazing. You know what I mean? Someone's going to take Vic Roberts at some point and be like, oh, I got a nine contact, six I, you know, 15 OBP, legit stud leadoff guy. And who knows? They could get him, you know, like just ridiculously late. So, or Seitzer, again, I think I mentioned Seitzer earlier. I mean, you know, nine contact, seven I, you know, a 16 OBP third baseman is. I mean, there aren't any of those. Wade Boggs, you know, there's one, right? So, I mean, again, the, the, you know, whatever. Yeah, so to your thing, I think Atlanta, to me, Atlanta, he's built, he's, he's worked for basically, like, since he's been in the league to prepare for this moment. So if he doesn't crush the draft, if he does, I mean, it's trans- it has to be transformative. How can it not be? You know, if you have three of the first 15 picks or whatever, right? I mean, he's going to have three guys in his lineup or in his rotation that, you know, add to 20 or, or add to more than 20. I mean, that, that's just like, you can't, I mean, he, he should be set up for de- decade success. You know, that, that would be my argument. Same thing for Montreal, I would say. Yeah. Montreal has seven, 13, 23, 29. He's got yeah. four, four, the four in the first two rounds. Atlanta has got eight, 14 and 15, but then he drops to 40. So he, yeah, he's going to get three, really really good players and then by you know that's probably going to be it by four by 40 oh is that really i thought there was a i thought he had another like 20 but anyway yeah yeah, that's that's fine three of the first 15 and the best draft ever is still pretty good yeah yeah and then denver's got two 18 26 27 i traded away the 25 as part of the to offload jr richards contract yeah i think there's a much better chance i make a mistake with my first pick than my second pick that first round is way too crowded. Well, that you know, that's the thing. That's when you when you have, you know, you, you LA has the ninth pick. Like, no matter who you take at nine, there's going to be like four other guys that that you know at least, or maybe maybe ten other guys that you could have taken, <laughs> right? You yeah. know what I mean. So that's kind of like the curse of like, even even the higher picks. Okay, yeah. So there's there's Bonds, Maddox, Larkin arguably the top three but um you know anyone you draft at four or five you could probably get comparably at nine, at, at nine ten eleven yeah yeah just Agreed. it just depends what the, what you're looking for right like what the um i always find it interesting like look at like 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 san francisco has the third pick so like you know you go to the go to the team the team settings your what is san francisco's weaknesses oh well it's everything never mind San Francisco. Well, his rotation. Them. His rotation's yeah. very yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. So his rotation outside of that. doesn't take a picture. So his first. Right. So league. So you look at league rank. He has Glenn Davis. He's ranked 16th. His first baseman are ranked 16th in the league. So no. does that? Does he go? Does he go McGuire? So now he fixes it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so I think he, he can McGuire fix it. with like yeah. Um, no. No way, dude. Uh, he takes Barry Lark in third, and he takes in the second round. He could take, you know, Will Clark. Uh, you know what I mean? That's like, true too. That's a that's a layup right there. That's you true just cut. Too. I would cut Glenn Davis. As, as, you know, two years ago, again, that just tells you how good the draft is. Two years ago, Glenn Davis is a first round pick, right? Now he's like, you can't even, you can't pay that guy two million dollars. That's horrible, right? He's got Luis Aguayo though, and I've I've asked this before: is is Barry Larkin better than Luis Aguayo? Wait, what? <laughs> Uh, yes, 
Yes. Okay. The answer yeah. is yes. Lucas yeah, Aguayo we hit twenty. That. We, 20, saw that we saw that mystery. Lucas yeah, Aguayo yeah. hit twenty three home runs <laughs> last year, though. So you know, you know, he, he's no Barry. Larkin. Barry Larkin is a, is yeah. a eight or whatever nine range, right? Eight or nine range shortstop with eight contact. I mean, that right. you just you. I mean, those guys are like unicorns. When you get one, you I mean, right. just snatch them up and don't think twice. So who, you know? so who does uh, who does Lancey take it for then? If if we say it's uh, Bonds, Maddox, Larkin. Then who does Lance take at four? That's tough. That's does tough. He go, does he's he also go, in a win now mode. Yeah. Does yeah. He that's go, tough. Um, Kevin Brown, who, who, I, who I arguably is the second best starter. Yeah, but far away, right? I don't that's know. Tough. You don't think he grabs McGuire? Maybe Palmero he gets McGuire because he's Chris, he's got Chris Chambliss, who's thirty six years old, and up in. Well, okay. Hang on. Hang on. If you're win now, hang on. You take Cal Daniels, right? Oh yeah, I think there's your Cal answer. Daniels. Yeah, so you take Cal Daniels. Boy, yeah, yeah, because you got now, and and and, and yeah, because Griffey's got Ken Griffey's thirty-four. That would be interesting. Hey, that, that makes McGuire. McGuire goes five. Who picks five, dude? Toronto. And he's yeah. he's got yeah, Hubie. Toronto got, could take him. Yeah, he's got Hubie yeah. Brooks at first base. So uh, yeah, there, there, I think there's a lot of surprisingly there's a lot of teams who actually need first baseman. Um, so well, like uh, half the league, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Uh, Unless Larkin's there at nine, I have to take a picture. I got to start building. Like, for you, yeah, I think for you. My rotation is ridiculously old at this point. But what's going to happen, dude? Like, just, just posit a scenario where Raphael Palmero hasn't been taken by nine. I can't take him. I got Eddie Murray and Cecil Fielder. Like, can I really take Palmero? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, well, but Palmero can play left or right, right? You can replace okay. Winfield with Raphael Palmero. I, I really think that could happen, bro. I mean, that hey. really could happen. No joke. Thanks for joining us. Till next time, <laughs> here's to fake baseball. Hot